Hagen Medical Tradition Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva, the editor-in-chief of the journal, coming to you today from a glorious early spring morning in Vancouver. We'll be speaking with a colleague who's almost due south of me. Lou Federico Martinez is Assistant Dean of Faculty Affairs and Career Development, as well as Assistant Professor in Internal Medicine at the University of Arizona College of Medicine in Phoenix. And we'll be speaking because she and her co-authors have a paper coming out in the May 2021 issue of medical education entitled Physician Faculty Perceptions Toward Teaching Incentives, a Case Study. Welcome, Lou, for joining us and making the time to talk about your paper. Hello, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. This seems to be a topic that is popping up on a variety of radars again in recent weeks for one reason or another. But this issue of teaching incentives and you know how we encourage a very strained workforce to commit to their educational obligations as well. You're in Arizona. Can you tell listeners a bit about the context that led you to this problem? Yeah. So my entire career, I have made it such that I try to put the academic commission at the forefront of everyone's mind. You know, the broader emphasis in what we do day to day in colleges of medicine and teaching hospitals is focused on the clinical enterprise and money's brought in and the amount of effort that we place our faculty around to manage those responsibilities. And so with the guidance of my mentor, who was also the vice chair for education in the Department of Medicine at my first college, which is actually, you can describe it as a sister college, if you will, the University of Arizona College of Medicine, Tucson. We were directing and heading up educational efforts in that department. And it was really my mentor's idea. This is Ken Knox. He is a pulmonologist and critical care physician and researcher who brought with him the idea actually from Indiana about values and weights assigned to educational activities for physicians, given all the clinical pressure at our hospitals and our academic medical centers. And so we had the idea of creating a mechanism by which faculty can log time and log the exact teaching hours that they were doing as they interfaced with medical students, residents, and fellows. And so what happened was we spent quite a bit of time on creating a logging system, mostly because your leadership wants to see, well, what are people doing and how much time are they devoting to it if I'm going to be assigning funds to it? So basically, we wanted to demonstrate that if if we can measure it, we can compensate for it. And so developing this log, we did something online, trying to make it easy for the faculty to log this time. And what was surprising to me during this time was the backlash we actually got from the faculty. And so they would come to me and there was so many complaints about why do I have to log my time and it's so tedious and I can spend this time actually developing a lecture than logging my hours. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's disrespectful, you know, and I, and I thought, well, why do you feel this way? And they said, well, isn't it part of the expectation in my contract as and in my professional identity as a physician faculty member? I mean, wouldn't leadership essentially take my word that I, I spend a significant amount of time, maybe the evenings and weekends, preparing lectures, 
and mentoring residents through manuscripts. And they just build it into my contract and compensate me appropriately. And so that just got me thinking and dialoguing with Ken a bit about why do you think faculty are actually having this backlash and what are they feeling? What are these feelings behind this? This is so interesting. And so before we actually got started on studying something like this type of phenomena, we actually both moved over to the College of Medicine Phoenix, the sister campus, and then got into working with affiliate hospitals that our students rotate at. And uh, one of these hospitals was our Phoenix Children's Hospital partner. And their chief medical education officer actually wanted to implement the same type of compensation model and tracking that we had done in Tucson. The only difference was instead of buying out contract time, they wanted to do a bonus. And the reason behind this was the chief medical education officer, who's also the senior author and colleague of mine, Brig Willis, on this, they were looking to reinstate a teaching incentive model that had been on hiatus for almost five, six years and just kind of got forgotten. And so between him and the rest of the C-suite, the other chiefs at the hospital, they decided on how much funds were going to be allocated and that this was going to be a bonus model, period. And so in our partnership, he had asked me, hey, is is there a way that uh, you can help me track what types of activities people are doing and how should we decide what teaching activities are even important? And so I brought with me my list of teaching activities that Ken and I had created. And we kind of talked about uh, creating a homegrown electronic logging system with the university. And then I said, hey, this is so cool because I've had some thoughts behind this and you're going to get some faculty complaining about logging time. And it'd be interesting to see how they feel about that. And honestly, Kevin, he had said to me, what in the world are we possibly going to learn from observing people logging time uh, for teaching? And I said, well, a lot. I mean, we could learn about how after they're done logging, what kind of feelings that causes. Do they actually feel the way we are intending for them to feel, which is to feel appreciated and, and recognized? And so, you know, for Phoenix Children's at the time with that incentive project, they were not so much looking to increase participation amongst the faculty for teaching, but it was really solely a recognition effort. And so we just wanted to see, was it working? Was it being received the way our intention was? Those experiences make it very clear why you used the phrase institutional culture very early (laughs) on in, in your paper. Clearly, this had the potential for better or worse to fundamentally shift how people were engaging in these activities. How does one methodologically go about capturing something as broad as culture? Right, so capturing culture, you want to use frameworks like organizational culture theory or organizational sense-making, which is Wake's theory. And so you want to go in and it's gonna be an exploratory method. And that's exactly what we did. So we had interviewed 34 faculty members in depth, these were our long conversations asking them, you know, hey, now that you have logged this time, how does that make you feel? What does this actually say to you that the organization is doing 
What do you think? So they opened up to us on one-on-one interviews telling us, well, these are the messages that we're getting from the hospital about our time and whether it helped people determine whether working at the hospital was still a good fit for them and whether they felt that the hospital was increasing their competitiveness around the academic mission such that they can keep pace with, I would say maybe academic centers or freestanding teaching hospitals that have a great reputation in terms of teaching and whether they felt recognized or not. And so these interviews really informed us about how they perceived the organizational values were trickling down to them. So I would say through very extensive interview questions is how we really got at that message. Yeah. And in doing that and and exploring the other activity logs and other sources of information that you had, what stood out to you as being surprising, given that you had those anecdotal experiences and had seen how people could misinterpret the intention of putting this process in place? Did that show up or was there something even more evident that needs to be addressed in order to use this technique well? Well, what really stood out to me in our findings was our very first theme, which was the teaching expectation conundrum. It was surprising for me to see that we had really divergent viewpoints on the receipt of the incentive. Some folks thought that it was a nice effort to be recognized, and they only completed the logs and participated in the program as a way to show solidarity that education is important. It's nice that you're tracking. Thank you for this. Meanwhile, others were really turned off by it, mostly because it was in the form of a bonus. And what was interesting to us that really does need addressing from leadership is that people want to see alignment in their contracts. So they get messages from one area of the hospital that says teaching is important. Academics is first. We're a teaching hospital. You're expected to engage. And then you get a contract that only covers an administrative piece and then the clinical responsibilities. There is no time that's really built in to conduct any kind of educational research or clinical research. I know that's really not the topic, but I'm just trying to make a point that that is excluded from the contract and also what the teaching expectations are. There is no time built in for that. So what came back to us from the participants was they identified misalignment in values. So the institution was essentially saying, we value this one thing and we're going to recognize it for you, but it's not as important such that we will put it in your contract. So it's very clear. So there is identification of misaligned values there. That was very interesting. Well, and and really speaks to the complexity of putting any sort of system in place where you get different people interpreting things in very different ways. Given that it's unlikely you could ever sort of control or make uniform all those reactions, what are you thinking now in terms of how to continue to refine it for those who don't like it or who are feeling negative repercussions without taking away the benefits that the others have seen? Right. Well, so, I mean, we've been at this discussion for almost two decades now, and they gave us, at least our group in our context, gave us a recommendation of not doing things as bonuses, things that are just on top of everything else you have to do, but they want things built into the contract. And so what we learned from this and the advice that we gave new leadership on board at the hospital was to explore and reflect on 
What do we as the organization say we value and where do we put it in writing? And then on the other hand, what do the faculty value? And what we didn't do was plan appropriately actually for this rollout. This rolled out in 2017, 2018. This was before your paper actually, where you talk about the importance of planning and getting multiple perspectives. So we learned that it was probably a good idea to build in some type of planning committee and use an initial needs assessment to explore and reflect any competing values and how people make sense of their organization and bring both faculty and the C-suite together as a type of incentive committee to develop what that might look like and maybe push change on how the contracts could look Mm -hmm. so that the values are written and the practices reflect what the entire community of the hospital actually expects from a teaching perspective. So we did not do that, but we're doing that now as part of a corrective measure. So I would say exploring and reflecting on both the organization and the individual's values to arrive at data-driven reconfiguration and ways to improve the program in a meaningful, responsive way. And am I correct in interpreting that really the model you're moving towards, it's not about having to add more resources into the system, even the, the cost of the teaching for the institution or the organization sounds like it should be fairly comparable. It's just that it's recognizing and valuing what's being done in a way that's you know, built into people's understanding of their reward structure as opposed to seeming like a tack on. Is that Yes, fair? that's correct. That's fair to say. So just another reminder that a lot of these things don't necessarily require more. They just require more thoughtful implementation. Yes, more thoughtful approaches and implementation and including the group of folks that you want to recognize in the planning conversation, which we didn't do. And I think that also explains some of the dissatisfaction feelings that we saw come up in the interviews, as well as the survey. When folks are not included and there's a little bit of a top-down approach to these types of models, it doesn't give the sense of transparency and fairness and a type of shared governance, if you will. Right, right. It's a great insight and leads me to my last question, which is that as you, you continue to work towards improving the actual system, what's left for you to figure out? What do you feel like you still don't know enough about in order to do the sort of thoughtful, continuous quality improvement that you're describing? Well, we didn't know enough about what other types of teaching activities were being valued by the faculty and how they defined teaching activities. We made that decision for them up front. And so as we're moving into this next phase, revamping, we have brought in uh, incentive committee and circulating what those teaching activities might look like and getting greater input. So at this stage, I think we're feeling much more confident that we've covered some ground that we didn't know of before. And is there a follow-up research study in the works or is it more now about moving into the improved implementation? Yeah, we're essentially doing program evaluation, formative program evaluation, reviewing how this will roll out again. So I believe coming up in May, May is the annual time of when the faculty receive these incentive bonuses. And around that time when, you know, people get money, you get excited, there's emotions attached to it. That's kind of a nice time to come in and say, hey, let's talk about this. So how do you feel about this now? So that's in the works. 
currently. And a really sensible and insightful note to end on research-wise is to take advantage of people when they're enthusiastic and excited about talking about whatever issue you're trying to study. Great. The feelings matter. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to hearing how that goes and I certainly congratulate you on the work and getting it to this stage. For those who want to track down the details, as I mentioned at the top, you'll find them in the paper entitled Physician Faculty Perceptions Toward Teaching Incentives, a case study. The first author is Lou Federico Martinez, who's at the University of Arizona College of Medicine in Phoenix. And the paper itself will be in the May 2021 issue of Medical Education. Thanks, Lou, once again. Look forward to hearing what comes next. Thank you for having me, Kevin. It's been great. Thank you.